Hey, Glen Cove Christian Church. I know most of you are online. We've got a few here in our building. And I hope that everybody is safe. As Joe said earlier, it seems like um, this may not, may be a little too early to declare this, but it seems like it's not going to be near as bad as what we originally thought it was going to be. And we pray that that continues to be the case, not only for us here on Long Island, but also uh, for New England as well, because they were they were going to get it even harder than than we were. So we we pray um, that that we we just pray for their safety in in all of this. Glad that you're able to join us online. Listen, guys, we love the fact that we've got the ability to be able to do this in situations like this. And I know we didn't want to do this because many of us have missed <laughs> uh, being together so much throughout the pandemic. And um, but for your safety, uh, we we want to continue to do this. And and I know <laughs> Tammy's like trying to relearn everything that that we were doing back during the pandemic, because even though we're online and we're live, it's a lot different than than we're doing right now when we're pulling in Joe from another location and Allie from another location. Uh, it's a little more difficult, but. But Tammy and her genius is able to pull it off and uh, and make this work. So, hey, as Joe said, we are continuing our series this week on radicalis about developing spiritual roots, and uh, we've been looking at different ways to develop those spiritual roots. We looked at radical gratitude uh, the first week. Last week we looked at radical faith. Today we want to look at radical joy, but it all comes about from developing these spiritual roots, this radicalis, which means from the root. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to Him. This is a continual thing. It's not just, hey, I've accepted Jesus, let me go on about my way. It's about continuing to grow in that relationship. And then I love the second part of this. Let your roots grow down into Him and draw up nourishment from, from Him. Allow your roots to grow down deep into Jesus, into His being, into who He is, and you draw nourishment from Him. Our spiritual strength comes from developing those roots down into Jesus. And that's what we're we're wanting to do in this series is to emphasize how we need to draw our, our nourishment up from Jesus in these areas that we've been looking at. So we're looking at radical joy today. And, and to be honest with you, I was, I was almost uncomfortable, I guess, with talking about joy in the midst of everything that's been going on with we, you know, what's happened with, with Haiti, uh, the fact that we are still um, dealing with, with pandemic issues and there's, there's a rise in certain areas of the nation. Uh, we've got hurricanes coming. How can we, in the midst of all of this, be able to talk about joy? But I hope by the end of the message, if you haven't already, uh, can understand why I think we, we still need to emphasize the joy that we have in Jesus. I want to look at a few verses here. First is in Romans 14, 17. It says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, 
Okay, it's not a matter of all these rules because they had all these rules. You can eat this, you can't eat that. You can drink this, you can't drink that. But Paul is saying the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness. You know, it's about walking in righteousness. And even righteousness is not about rules. Sometimes we're like, well, isn't righteousness meaning we keep the right rules? Not exactly. <laughs> there are things that we should do and things that we shouldn't do. But it's not because of rules. It's because we're following Jesus. It has to do with the relationship with Him. <laughs> and I've used this illustration before. You know, in your marriage, if you love your spouse, there are certain things that you do and there are certain things you don't do. Okay? Because of your love for your spouse. It's not because the marriage is a bunch of rules and regulations. Well, I'm not allowed to do this. i got to do this. That is not a healthy marriage. A healthy marriage is when you live a certain way because you are radically in love with your spouse. And Christianity is the same way. Following Jesus is the same way. We don't follow a bunch of rules. Oh, I can't do this. I have to do that. But we do live a certain way because we are radically in love with Jesus. And as a result of that, we also experience this peace. We have a sense of peace and can reach a level of peace that those outside of Jesus cannot reach because of our relationship with Him. But it's not just about righteousness. It's not just about peace. It's also about Joy. Paul points out these three things. It's not about rules and regulations, guys. It's about righteousness, it's about peace, and it's about the joy that we have in the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to see this phrase frequently as we go through these verses. And, and they're, they're in the Bible much more than what we're going to be touching on today. In the Holy Spirit, or in the Lord, or in God, or in Christ, or in Jesus. <laughs> It's all about being in Him. That is where this righteousness, this peace, and this joy comes from. Philippians chapter 1, verse 25 says, I will continue with you so that you will grow and experience the joy of your faith. Why is Paul wanting to continue to, to help people along? Why is he willing to walk that journey with the Philippian Christians there? Because he wants them to experience this joy of their faith. Now listen, joy is deeper than just happiness. It doesn't mean that we're always going to walk around with a smile so big on our face we can eat a banana sideways. Okay, that's not what it means. We will have happy times because of our faith. But we will also have sorrowful times. Every event in our life is not going to be happy. It's not going to be rosy. It's not going to be everything going exactly the way we want it to go. That is not going to happen. But that is not where our joy comes from. I heard somebody describe one time that the word happy comes from the same root word as happens. Meaning that our happiness is determined by what may happen. By what happens around us. And there's nothing wrong with happiness. We need to be happy. And I think part of our faith in Christ will make us happy. But we're not always going to be happy. But we can always be joyful if we continue in Jesus. 
Matter of fact, again in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Interesting thing about the book of Philippians. It's a very short book. Four chapters. You could read it in ten minutes or less. When Paul wrote this book, he was under house arrest. He had, he had all his, his liberties stripped from him. He couldn't just roam around wherever he wanted to do. <laughs> he was under strict house arrest. During this time. And yet in this book, depending on what translation you read, there is between 14 and 16 different uses of the word joy or a form of the word joy. Now how could Paul, in the midst of being imprisoned, having all his rights stripped from him, write a letter that is so much about joy? Because joy and happiness are different things. We can have joy even in the midst of the pain if we are in Jesus. In Philippians 4.4, 4, Paul writes, Always be full of joy. Again, here's this phrase, in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. And notice, there's that, that word always. We've talked about this the past couple of weeks. All means all. That's all all means. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, that doesn't mean we're always going to be happy. Sometimes we experience sorrow and pain and agony. Matter of fact, in a prophecy, Jesus was referred to as a man of sorrows. And when we follow Him, we will experience sorrow. But it doesn't mean we have to lose our joy. <laughs> joy is much deeper and much more significant than happiness. And we can have this radical joy. That's what radical joy is. <laughs> being able to have joy not just when we're happy, but being able to have joy even when we are dealing with sorrow and pain and even agony. And I believe there are many reasons that we can have this radical joy. We could, we could do a year-long series just on looking at all the reasons we could have this radical joy. We're not going to do that this morning. We're going to look at six. We're going to look at six reasons that as followers of Jesus, those of us who are in the Lord, in Christ, in Jesus, can experience radical joy. And we're going to be looking at just strictly, again, you can look throughout the Bible and find out reasons for this, but we're going to be looking specifically at Romans chapter 8. If you want to follow along at home, um, you can, or we, we will have the Scripture verses up on the screen as well if you want to do that. But I would encourage you to read this chapter today. Romans chapter 8. Sometime today, get it out and just read it. Um, wait till the message is over. Don't be reading it while I'm preaching, but... Uh, but afterwards, sometime today, I would encourage you to read Romans 8. But all of, our, all of our reasons for having radical joy are going to come out of that chapter today. First reason, God has forgiven me. God has forgiven me. God has forgiven you. And because of that forgiveness, we can have some radical joy. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, very first chapter, it says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. You know why? Because you have been forgiven. You've been forgiven. 
Those sins have been wiped out. If you come to God for forgiveness through the blood of Jesus, if you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven. And if you remain in Christ, you will one day stand before the Father. And when He looks at you, you will be seen as pure and as holy as Jesus Himself because those sins will not be a part of who you are because you have been forgiven. <laughs> Heard a story several years ago about a lady that was talking to her bishop and she said, Jesus has been visiting me at my house. And he just kind of rolled his eyes. He thought, this lady is crazy. But she kept talking about all these visits she was getting from him. And one day he said, Okay, the next time Jesus visits you, I want you to ask him a question. She said, okay. He said, ask Jesus what sins I confessed at my last confessional. And she said, okay, I'll ask him. So about a week or so passed, and she showed back up, and she said, Jesus visited me again last night. And he said, he did. Did you ask him the question? She goes, yeah, I asked him what sins you confessed at, the, at your last confession. And then he said, and what was his answer? And she smiled and looked at the bishop and said, he said he couldn't remember. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> because once your sins are forgiven and wiped out, they are not remembered. They are, they are tossed away. They are gone. That is good Theology right there. <laughs> Psalm chapter 13 verse 5 says, My heart finds joy in your salvation. That's where our joy comes from. <clears throat> Regardless of what pain or agony or struggles that we may be going through, we can have joy in the fact that we are forgiven. Number two reason we can have radical joy. God has given me life. He's given you life. He's given all of us life. Look at this verse in Romans 8, chapter, or Romans 8, verse 11. It says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. <laughs> Listen, guys, as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and that Spirit gives us life. Now, that ultimate life is eternal life, where we will spend eternity with Him in heaven. But we don't have to wait for that life. That life is beginning now. When you first came to Jesus, that life began to develop in you. We have, that, we have a sense of aliveness that people outside of Jesus will never experience. Because it's an aliveness that takes place because of that Holy Spirit that lives within us <laughs> Tony Campolo says you know it's not he said the world is not so much sinful as it is dead uh, I would argue that it's dead because of its sin but I get his point but he tells this story and, and, he, and his emphasis there is that as Christians we need to have more aliveness the more of that joy in us <laughs> and he tells this story of he, he developed the practice of when he got on an elevator and he was going to be on the elevator, crowded elevator that went up several stories. Instead of turning around and facing the door like everybody else, 
he would just stand there and face the crowd. And he said he would stand there and, and, and people would be nervous. They, would, they wouldn't look him in the eye. They would look down and, you know, kind of, you know, get all jittery and stuff. And, and he would smile and he would say, you know, guys, we're going to be together for a while. What do you say we sing? And then he said they were so intimidated by him but they, that they did. <laughs> and so he'd be singing, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. And they would be singing with him. He said one time he did that and he got off the elevator at his, at his floor and he was going to this meeting and this guy was following him. And he turned around and he says, oh, you going to the same meeting I am? The guy said, no, I just wanted to finish the song. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's just this, this aliveness that we can have this joy that we can have when we are in Jesus. Hey, you guys know one of my favorite verses is John chapter 10, verse 10. I believe it has two purpose statements there. The first one is of Satan, and the second one is of Jesus. And Satan's purpose statement is this. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's Satan's purpose statement. He wants to still kill and destroy everything that's good in your life. He wants to, to still kill and destroy your joy. He wants to still kill and destroy your life. He wants to still kill and destroy your faith. He wants to still kill and destroy your relationships. Everything that is good in your life, Satan wants to still kill and destroy that. That is his purpose statement. But the second part of that verse, I believe, is Jesus' purpose statement. And Jesus is talking here. And he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. <laughs> the whole purpose for Jesus' coming was for us to have life. That life now, that life in eternity. It's in Jesus that we have this life. We can have that radical joy because of the aliveness and that life that Jesus brings to us when we are in Him. Third reason we can have radical joy is that God is working all things for my good. God is working all things for my good. Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. When we love God and we are following His call on our life, He works all things for the good. doesn't mean all things are good. We talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago. But it does mean that He can work out all things for good. Even the pain and the agony and the struggles that we go through, God can work that out for good. A matter of fact, even though we're, when we're going through those struggles and, and pain and agony, we don't realize it, Sometimes, that just might be for our own good. Sometimes, we have to go through those experiences in order to draw us closer to Jesus. Mother Teresa said that it was in her pain and agony and failures that she felt the kiss of Jesus. Because it was in those moments that she could feel His arms wrapping around her and Him gently kiss her on the top of her head. It's sometimes in that pain that we experience God in a way that we cannot experience Him when we're in the midst of the happiness. A.W. Tozer put it this way, I can see that there are good things that only suffering can bring. 
there are good things that only suffering can bring. So just because you're suffering, just because you're going through pain, just because you're going through something, and you've heard me say this before, you're either going through something, you're getting ready to go through something, or you just got out of something. Okay, we all have those experiences in our life. And it doesn't mean that we're going to have happiness during those moments, but we can have joy because we know that God is working all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. It's really a matter of where our focus is. We could be like Peter when he walked out on the water and started noticing the storm and what happened to him. He began to sink. When he was focused on Jesus and not the storm, he was walking on water. But when he began to notice the storm instead of Jesus, he began to sink. If we can look past the suffering and see Jesus, then we can experience radical joy even in the midst of that. And we can understand how God can work all things for the good, even in this situation. We may not have a clue what that good may be, but we trust God to know that He will work for the good, work all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Just depends on where our focus is. <laughs> Hebrews 12.2 Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him, notice the wording there, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. You see, Jesus was able to endure the most agonizing, painful, suffering way to die because of the joy that was set before Him. I don't think Jesus was happy when He was hanging on that cross. I don't think Jesus was laughing while He was hanging on that cross. Matter of fact, I am confident that He was not. But I do believe He was joyful because He was able to focus on the joy set before Him. He knew what that cross was all about. He knew what would be accomplished through that pain and through that agony. And he trusted God to fulfill all of that. And that's why he was able to focus on the joy set before him. And he endured this cross. Let us do the same by focusing on Jesus and looking past the suffering and looking to Jesus. Fourth reason, and I believe we could have radical joy, is that God is for me. God is for me. God is in your corner, folks. In Romans 8.31, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? All these things we've been talking about in Romans chapter 8 leads up to this. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who could be against us? What do we have to fear? God is the most powerful existence in all of time and in all of the universe. And if He is in our corner, so what if that person doesn't like you? So what if, the, if, your, if your boss is, is mean to you? So what if there's, there's people that want to put you down and and wreck your life. So what? If God is for us, 
the most powerful existence in all the universe is in our corner, who could be against us? Folks, just that alone is worth radical joy. Knowing that God is in your corner and he's in my corner. God is for me. What do I have to fear? In Romans 8, 37, a few verses down, it says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I love that. We're not just conquerors. We're not just winners. We are more than conquerors because of Him who loved us. It is through God the most powerful existence in all of time and all the universe is in our corner so we are more than conquerors, regardless of what you're going through. God is there in your corner helping you to pull through. And you will make it through. Now listen, our timing is not God's timing. And we may wonder, God, are you even up there? God, are you going to answer? God, where are you? God, why are you late? God's never late. We think He's late sometimes. But He is always on time. There's a, an old uh, gospel spiritual song that said, He is an on-time God. He is an on-time God. And He will always come through. We are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. <laughs> Fifth reason. God will meet all my needs. A reason to have radical joy is that God will meet all my needs. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I struggled with this point, with the wording of this point. I thought, should I just put, God will meet my needs? Or should I put that word all in there? God will meet all my needs. Because when we hear that, and, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've been, I've been following Jesus since I was 14 years old. And I've been following pretty intensely since I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> Sometimes I struggle with that word all. Because I think, no, did God really meet this need? God, did God really meet that need? And you may be wondering, you know, I've been, I've been praying about this. I've been dealing with this. And, and God has not come through. And here's what I have to understand. And I believe we all have to understand. Our definition of need is not always the same as God's definition of need. One person put it this way, God will meet our needs, but not our greeds. <laughs> and sometimes we may look at something and say, this is exactly what I need. God, I need you to pull me out of this. I need to be done with this. I, God, I, I, I need this much money in order to pay this bill. God, this is what I need. And listen, and I want you to hear me here, and I've been there. Sometimes what we may need the most is to go through that struggle rather than have what we think is a need at that time met in the immediate. Sometimes what we may need more than fixing the struggle is to go through that struggle. Remember what we said earlier, sometimes it's in the pain and suffering and agony that we draw closer to Jesus. And maybe that's what we need in that moment.
God is wiser than we are. And I do believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, He will meet all of our needs. In Romans 8.32, He says, Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? Will He not give us everything we need? Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, And my God will meet all, and He actually uses that word, will meet all your needs, listen to this, according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. There's that phrase again, in Christ Jesus. That's what we've got to understand, that He's meeting our needs in Christ Jesus. For His glory, for the riches of His glory. How is this going to work out? And listen, when we're going through something, we don't always grasp that. Sometimes after, after it's over, we're able to look back and we can see where God was in the midst of that. And He did work all things for the good. But while we're in it, sometimes it is difficult to see. You know the saying, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. We just need to put our trust in God and continue to remain in Christ. Because that is where the joy comes from. That is where the help comes from. That is where God meets all of our needs. It's in Christ. In John 16, 24, Jesus says, Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Notice there again, using my name in His name. And realize that using His name is not just saying His name at the end of a prayer. That does not, that's a good thing. I think we should do that. But just because we put Jesus' name at the end of a prayer doesn't mean that prayer is in His name. What that means is that it, it's seated in Him. It's about Him. It's about us following Him. It's about our relationship with Him. It's all about Jesus. And when we come to that understanding, we will realize that when we feel like our needs are not being met, that may not be our real need in that moment. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Let me ask you something. What causes more joy? When you ask for something and you get it immediately or you ask for something and there seems to be something that delays that and maybe even to the point where you think you're not going to get it and then all of a sudden you do. Which one of those situations do you have the most joy? It's the one where you thought you weren't going to get it, or was it ever going to come, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's there, and you're ecstatic. You know, over here, you get it as soon as you ask, and you're, you're grateful, you're happy, yeah, I think, and then you kind of go on. And sometimes that delay creates more joy than we would have had if we'd gotten it immediately. God is not a genie. Where we just, we just say a prayer and boom, those things automatically come true. But He is radically in love with us. And He will meet all of our needs in Him according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Alright, sixth and final reason that we're going to look at today for radical joy is that God will never stop loving me. 
God will never stop loving you. <laughs> no matter what you do, no matter how bad you mess up, no matter how often you turn your back on Him, God will never stop loving you. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. <laughs> I love these verses. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's that phrase again, in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has a radical love for you that is beyond reason. The fact that He would send His own Son to die for us... Is beyond my understanding. I have two kids. I could not imagine sacrificing them for anybody. Yet that's what God did for us. That's how much He loves you. It is beyond understanding. I cannot wrap my head around it. How much God loves me. And God loves you. He's radically in love with you. Jesus loves you. He would rather die than live without you. We cannot put into words how much God loves you. And that's enough cause for radical joy right there. That God is radically in love with you. There's a person that I'm, I'm a big fan of. He passed away a few years ago. His name is Brennan Manning. He wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Several other books, but that's probably his most popular. I would encourage you to read it. It's a great book. He, um, he dealt with struggles. He dealt with pain. He dealt with agony. And, and a lot of the, the pain and agony he dealt with, he brought on himself with some of the choices that he, that he had made. But when he talks about becoming a follower of Jesus... He doesn't say, oh, I decided to follow Jesus and I walked down an aisle. He refers to it as being ambushed by the love of Jesus. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And uh, we're going to play a video clip of Brennan Manning just, just talking a little bit about the love of God and how radical this love really is. Watch this video. The compassion of Jesus is the compassion of Almighty God. And Jesus says to your heart and mine tonight, don't ever be so foolish as to measure my compassion for you in terms of your compassion for one another. Don't ever be so silly as to compare your thin, pallid, wavering, moody, dependent on smooth circumstances, human compassion with mine, for I am God as well as man. When you read in the Gospel, that Jesus was moved with compassion, it is saying his gut was wrenched, his heart torn open, the most vulnerable part of his being laid bare. The ground of all being shook, the source of all life trembled, the heart of all love burst open, and the unfathomable depths of the relentless tenderness was laid bare. Your Christian life and mine don't make any sense unless in the depth of our beings we believe that Jesus not only knows what hurts us, but knowing seeks us out, whatever our poverty, whatever our pain. His plea to his people is come now wounded, frightened, angry, lonely, empty, and I'll meet you where you live. And I love you as you are, not as you should be, 
Because you're never going to be as you should be. Do you really believe this? That with all the wrong turns you made in your past, the mistakes, the moments of selfishness, dishonesty, and degraded love, do you really believe that Jesus Christ loves you? Not the person next to you, not the church, not the world, but that he loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity. That he loves you in the morning sun and the evening rain, without caution, regret, boundary, limit, no matter what's gone down, he can't stop loving you. This is the Jesus of the Gospels. He's radically, radically in love with you guys. I hope you never forget that, no matter what's going on in your life. That God is radically in love with you. And because of that, you can have radical joy. Those are guys I want to close up by talking to two different groups of people. <laughs> One group are those of you that maybe have never made this decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've You've toyed with this. You're listening to this because you're curious. Maybe you visited here. And um, just because you're wondering, you know, what, what this Jesus stuff is all about. <laughs> or maybe this is your first time just kind of looking into this and going, huh, I wonder if there's anything to this. Let, let me just say that you can experience this radical joy in Jesus as well. It's not about a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not about jumping through hoops. It's not about joining a religion or anything like that. It's about a man named Jesus and about falling in love with Him, a man that lo already loves you beyond reason. I encourage you to make that decision to follow Him. In Psalm 1611, it says, You will fill me with joy in your presence. <laughs> When you come into the presence of God, you will be filled with joy. Have you ever felt like your life is empty, like there's not enough joy in it, like you're, you're living a, a life of, of sorrow and pain and agony, and there's, there's nothing good in that, there's no aliveness there, you don't feel that forgiveness of sin, you don't experience any of this stuff we've been talking about this morning. Let me just say, you can. You can. If you are in Jesus, when you decide to come into Jesus, you can experience the same joy in His presence. And let me just say, if you want any help in making that decision, please get in touch with us. You can contact me through, through Facebook. Uh, you can you could contact us through the church's website or the Facebook page. We're, we're able to do message messenger through all of that <laughs> want somebody to walk with you through that you get in touch with us and you let us know you can have this joy second group of people i want to talk to are those that have made that decision <laughs> maybe it's been a long time ago or maybe even in the recent past and yet you've drifted away you've lost some of that joy You've lost some of that aliveness that you once had in Jesus. Let me encourage you to come back. <laughs> to make that decision that today is the day that I'm no longer drifting away, but I am walking toward Jesus. 
David wrote a psalm, Psalm chapter 51. Again, it's one of those chapters I would encourage you to read. This was what he wrote during his time of repentance after his, his sin with Bathsheba, after he committed adultery, and then in a, in a roundabout way, he committed murder of Bathsheba's husband so that he wouldn't be found out. And it was just a horrible time in his life. And it made some horrible, horrible, sinful decisions. And then a man by the guy of Nathan confronted him on this stuff. And then David, at that point, <laughs> repented of his sins. He asked for forgiveness. And, and Psalm 51 is a record of him asking for that forgiveness. And one of the verses in there, he says this in verse 12 of Psalm 51. David says to God, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You see, sometimes we lose that joy. You remember when you first came to Jesus, and man, you were ready to take on the world. You were ready to change the world. You were ready to tell everybody about Jesus. You had trouble sleeping at night. You had so much joy going on in your life. And slowly, you felt that drift away. Maybe because of bad decisions like David. Maybe because you've just kind of wandered off the path. Whatever the case may be, today's the day to say, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. We can all experience this radical joy, but it is only in Jesus that we can experience it. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for the love that you have for us. We cannot explain it. God, I just pray that you help us to accept it. God, we thank you that you have forgiven us. That you have given us life. That you are for us. That you are working all things together for our good. And God, that you love us with a radical love that we cannot understand. God, help us experience that radical joy that we find in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in His precious name that we pray. Amen.